Um, We're going to take our text this morning from a very familiar passage of Scripture. Open your Bibles to Matthew 6, 33. As you're turning there, obviously I am not Pastor Rick, and and, uh, I know I look just like him, uh, but I am not him. He is is still homesick today, Um, and uh, I'm actually not thrilled to say this. There are a lot of people that I know are homesick today. Um, we have three families that are homesick. My family is one of them. Uh, Crystal and her family are homesick. Pastor Rick, his entire family is homesick. I got calls from three different uh, leaders in our church. They're homesick with their family. How many of you know God did not create us sick? He created us whole. When he made a decree over us, he said we are healed. So we're just going through something. That doesn't mean that's what we are. That's not what we're going to be. We're just going through a little something right now. And and though we may not understand it, obviously it's the will of the Lord. So we're going to trust in Him because He's sovereign. Amen? Amen. So let's, let's just do something right now together. You can remain seated. But let's just do something right now. Let's just proclaim healing over this body and this church. Can you do that with me? Don't let me pray on my own. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we trust you. We trust you. We thank you that you are God and you are God alone. And God, we can rest on your sovereign hand. Your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. So God, we confess your promises right now. And your promises are yes and amen. And one of them is that by your stripes, we are healed. God, there is a healing balm. There is a healing oil that comes from you and we're calling on it right now in the name of Jesus fill households God fill Pastor Rick's home right now with your healing oil let it flow over him and over Miss Joe and over Little River let it flow in the Harbert household right now let it flow in my household right now God let it be in the Moffat's home in the McGregor's home God in Lance's home God, in every family's home right now that's dealing with sickness, we speak healing in Jesus' name. We thank you that we're going to make it through it and come out better, whole, and healthy on the other side. We trust you. We glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Come on, just lift up a praise like you really do. Hallelujah. I know a lot of people are watching online. I'm going to ask you if you would hit that share button. Let's spread the gospel on our timelines. We haven't asked for that in a while, but there are a lot of people watching at home today and not in service. So I'm going to ask you to share. If you're in the room, if you'll grab your smart device, just find the Facebook feed and share it. Um, And we're going to jump right into the word this morning. Amen. Amen. If you'll stand for the reading of God's word, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. We know this verse of Scripture. Hallelujah. I feel Jesus here. Hallelujah. This is Jesus speaking. Matthew 6 and verse 33. But seek ye first. Somebody say first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. Whose righteousness? God's righteousness and all these things these things these things 
shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We're going to talk for a few minutes this morning, and we will talk uh, on this subject. Uh, first of all, first of all, you ever been in a conversation with somebody and they're like, well, first of all, well, that's, we're, we're probably not going to get past that first of all today. <laughs> so that is the topic of our talk this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, for the reading of your word. We thank you that it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, we thank you that your word will go with us day in and day out throughout this entire year. We thank you that if we walk according to your word, that we will see and experience success. We know that your word does not guarantee that we won't face trouble. We know it doesn't guarantee that we won't face adversity. But we know it does guarantee that we have the victory. And so we stand on your word this morning. And we ask you, help us to set the tone for a year full of purpose, a year full of your word, a year full of your presence, and a year where we set you up to do what you want to do in us and through us. God, we thank you today. Be with us as we dialogue in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may have your seat. First of all, first of all, at the beginning of every year, you know, it presents us with an opportunity uh, to start fresh. Um, did everything start fresh on Saturday? Did everything reset on Saturday from the way things were on Friday? No, no, they didn't. Just our clocks and our calendars changed. Uh, but for the most part, with the exception of uh, the polar vortex, Everything remained the same. Can I get an amen? But the marker of a new year gives us an opportunity to start fresh. I, I'm probably saying this quote wrong, and so if I am, forgive me. But Pastor Dick Bernal, who is our pastor's pastor, shared with him recently, you know, God does not interrupt time. God does not interrupt time. But God certainly is in full control of timing. He gave us time to use, but he's the one that still marks timing. What does that mean? That means that he still holds our appointments, our set times, uh, uh, the moments that he has designated for us to step into new things, to face certain things, to be promoted, to deal with things, or maybe to learn something new. But he holds timing. Can I get an Amen. And so as we cross into a new year, it gives us the opportunity for reflection and for resolution. That's an interesting word. We use, uh, we have what we call New Year's resolutions. The interesting thing about that word is the only time I really see the word resolution used in my uh, experience is when I'm doing a board meeting and we have to make a resolution, Right. And, and so it has to be stated a certain way. It is resolved that. And you've got to name everybody that's involved with it. 
and then you finish the language. The language has to be specific because the resolution means that there's a very specific order to the business that we're resolving. So I always find it interesting that we make New Year's resolutions. If it's a resolution, that means you resolved to something, which means that's, a, that's serious business. Somebody say serious business. The problem with a resolution is most people don't follow through on them. Isn't that the truth? So I like to call them intentions. <laughs> New Year's intentions. I have intentions to do some stuff. And so we reflect on the year that just passed. You know, what, 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 what was the good that happened? What was the bad that happened? We take inventory and we decide, what are we bringing with us into this new year? And what are we leaving behind us? What are we letting go of? And so we set goals, weight loss goals. We set a better job. We want to get a better job this year. We want to read more. Uh, we want to quit bad habits, cut off toxic relationships. We want to invest more into the valued relationships that we have. We want to save more money, gain more money. We want a new home. We want a new car. We, we set goals for where we're going, and we do this in an effort to motivate ourselves to get on a more purposeful and productive track with our life. Can I get an amen to that? But the sad truth is this. When we make these intentions or we make these resolutions, this is, this is a fact. Studies have found this, that by the second week of January and certainly by the first week in February, we are completely off course or have completely given up on whatever resolution we had. We thought, A, it's not that big a deal that I have a Twinkie before I go to sleep. It's not that big a deal. It's just one. It ain't going to hurt. It has nothing to do with the fact that I want to lose 10 pounds this month. We, 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 we're, it's totally gone. By February, it ain't even, it ain't that bad a deal. It's, I can't wait to have the Twinkie before I go to bed tonight. Because we've totally derailed from whatever resolution or intention we have. And that's, that's a truth. That's a fact. The majority of people do that. And, and, and you know what I've noticed is that we, the reason this happens typically is because we try to eat the elephant all at one time. We try to eat the elephant all at one time. And we know uh, that old axiom that tells us uh, that the best way to eat an elephant is how? One bite at a time, one bite at a time. And usually you're not going to get it done in one sitting, one sitting. Whenever I decide I'm going to go back to working out, um, and I've done this multiple times all throughout every year of my life, I'm going to go back to working out, I decide I'm going to lose 50 pounds today. By this time tomorrow, I'm going to look like I did when I was 21 years old. You just watch, baby, set up. Set up the cameras, get ready, because the before and after is happening from this day to tomorrow. The reality is the before picture and the after picture look drastically different. My physique might look the same, but one looks like a guy with a lot of optimism and vigor and courage. And then day after picture looks like a guy who just got the snot beat out of him because he's dysfunctional because he tried to lose all 50 pounds in a day. And that's funny and that's cute, but the reality is our resolutions and our intentions, we approach them the same way. We're trying to eat the elephant all at one time. And what happens is by the second week in, in January or, the first, or uh, at least up to the first week in February, we've completely given up on these intentions because the mountain looks too, high, looks too high to climb. 
Expectations produce hope. Expectations produce hope. Especially if there's a reference point for that expectation. When I look at a picture of myself 20 years ago, I have hope. And it gives me that expectation. Here's the reality of that picture. I can be that again. But it ain't an overnight process. You hear what I'm saying? I'm using myself as an example, but it's a much bigger picture there. The, the reality is expectation produces hope. But unmet expectations produce disappointment. We walk into every new year hopeful. And are able to see everything we want to change and accomplish. And so we set our expectations. And then we try to do it all at once. We want immediate change. And we want immediate progress. So we set expectations that we don't meet. And then we disappoint ourselves. Disappoint yourself enough times. You create a pattern of disappointment. When you create a pattern of disappointment. Now the expectation changes. Now the expectation is, I expect to disappoint myself. Or I expect to be a disappointment. And so no matter what hope, expectation, or uh, light might be in your eye at the beginning of the year for new things, for fresh things, for success, for purpose, back in the back of our minds, subconsciously, we're fighting against ourselves saying, you're really not going to do it. Do you really have what it takes to accomplish what you've set out to accomplish? And in the back of your mind, there's that voice that's saying, you can't do it. You're going to fall short. And we compromise to that voice, and we do fall short. Why? Because we just, we're complacent and, and, and settled with the fact that I don't have to do that. I made it through last year, and I didn't accomplish those goals, and God was still with me. I can make it through this year and not accomplish those goals. You know what that does? That creates an, an intense and an immense delay in your purpose. The subtle frustrations that you feel in your day-to-day -day life are a direct result of the fact that you're not accomplishing the very purpose God sets you into. The reason he allows frustration in your life is to give you the opportunity to look and see what is frustrating me. When you're living a life full of purpose, you're fulfilled. You're not frustrated. You may face adversity and trouble, but it doesn't frustrate you. When you're frustrated is when you're living out of purpose or you're living in disappointment. So here's what I want to look at. This, when we get to this point, is, is what's dangerous because what happens is people step into a depressed mindset because disappointment produces that, okay? And so they get on the path of depression, I'll never get it right. And you say, I'll never get it right long enough, you feel low, so you're depressed. The path, or you'll jump onto the path of I don't care or whatever. In other words, at this point, I didn't do it, so whatever happens, happens, que sera, sera, whatever will be. And we fool ourselves into thinking that our goals and resolutions weren't necessary, so whatever happens, happens. And so we give up on them. Or we end up on a fraudulent path. And this is the path we manufacture for ourselves. We get on this manufactured path where we try to accomplish or be something or someone God never intended us to be. When you get on that path, it's a long way back because you're constantly comparing yourself to others and you're constantly comparing yourself to a purpose that has no business in your life. 
That doesn't make that purpose a bad purpose. Doesn't make that purpose not worth looking at and admiring. But it's not your purpose. And so we, whichever we choose, whatever path we get on there, whether it's the depressed path or the, the whatever path or the fraudulent path, we ultimately eliminate progress and it imposes delay into our life. So the reality is our goals and resol- resolutions are likely perfect for us because nobody knows you better than you know you. The intentions you make for the year are probably perfectly molded for you. Not only that, they're probably easily, not easily, but they, they are probably goals that you can certainly accomplish and that are made just for you. The issue is how we reach those goals. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The first thing we have to come to an understanding of is that this isn't our kingdom. This is God's kingdom. The culture, society, whatever you want to name all that that we live in says this is my world and I get to choose how I live it, the way I live it, what do I identify to, what I don't identify to, what I want in and out of my life. I choose that. That's on me. But the reality is this is God's kingdom and it's a matter of choice. If you have chosen to live for the Lord and you have chosen to be in his kingdom, the first understanding you have to come to is that it belongs to him. So he has to be priority. He has to be in first place. A kingdom is a place and a people. And I'm not really going to dive into that because I know Pastor Rick is going to come next week with a prophetic word for us. And that's why I didn't want to really come in here with any kind of prophetic edge this morning because I'm not going to try to step in front of what God is speaking. When I started this morning, I said that God is, is a God of time and timing. He really has control of timing. And there is a reason that God is holding this word maybe for next week or the week after. Why? Because that is the time, the appointment that he wants us to hear it. It's imperative that we come to a place of understanding that we are prepared to receive that word. And in a position to walk forward in that word. That word is going to do something to embellish and enhance purpose and success for you and your family this year. But you have to be at a place mentally and spiritually and some of us physically to where we're ready to walk in that. The first step in doing that is saying, God, you're first. God, you are first. And so it's his kingdom. The word kingdom comes from two two words, a king's domain, a king's domain. Pastor Rick says there's three words that are associated with kingdom. Royalty, rule, and realm. Royalty. In a kingdom, there is a distinguishing mark concerning that kingdom. There's royalty associated with that. Rule. There is a set, uh, there are set boundaries, laws, and principles that are attached to that kingdom. Number three, realm. This is the area in which or the boundaries in which that kingdom occupies. And anything decreed in that kingdom has to come to pass. Why? Because that's the king's realm. So the question to you today is, are you living in God's kingdom? Are you living in his domain? 
Are you living in his realm? Because here's the thing. We get discouraged. We get disappointed. We look at the intentions and resolutions that we have for the year and we get discouraged. Well, let me tell you something. There's some decrees that God made over your life. You don't have to live in the trouble of 2021. You don't have to live in the disappointment of 2021 or, or the 10 years that preceded it. You don't have to live in the disappointment of last night. You don't have to live in the expected disappointment of tomorrow. Do you want to know why? Because there's some decrees that have been made over your life that you can walk in and that you can live in when the king makes a decree there is no choice but for that decree to come to pass if it does or does not come to pass in your life it's a result of you living in it or choosing not to live in it what are some things that God has said over our life number one you are a new creation in Christ Jesus God made you a new creation so no matter what fleshly activity wants to jump up in your life to defraud you or to defund you of your purpose and who you are know this you are a new creation in Christ Jesus Jeremiah 29 11 the king says this I have plans for you and plans to prosper you and not to harm you to give you hope and a future that's a decree over your life no matter how hopeless it seems you have hope for your future what else has he decreed over you? In Ephesians chapter 2, he says that I am his workmanship. I am his handy, handy, handiwork. You know what? Created for good works. So no matter what bad outcomes I might have produced, here's the hope I have. God made me. He designed me. And I can produce something good with what he's given me. That's his decree over my life. What else has he decreed over my life? Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Through who? Christ. Christ, the anointed one. It's his anointing that gives me the strength to do it. I, my weakness is made, my strength is made perfect. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. So when I am weak, man, I'm happy about that. Why? Because I know God is about to get to work. That's something he decreed over my life. If he said it, that settles it. Romans 8, 21. Eight, all things work. All things work. All things work for the good of for the good of those that are called according to his purpose and those that love him. You know what? I love God with all my heart. I don't love him through my words. I love him through my actions. The Bible tells me if I'm obedient, that is a sign that I love him. I can tell you through However, how old am I? I don't know how old I am, but I've been saved since I was born. My dad and mom didn't give me the choice but to be saved when I got born. I got baptized probably six different times in my life because I did my best to run away. You know what I learned? God has his hand on my life no matter what. So I belong to him. And if that's the truth, then all things work. Sickness works. Trouble works. Loss works. It all works for my good you know why because he said so Romans 8 31 I'm more than a conqueror first Peter 2 9 we are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation Deuteronomy 28 I am the head and not the tail I am above only and not beneath I'm blessed in the city I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed when I come. I'm blessed when I go. Why? Because God said so. When the king decrees a thing, that settles it. You are blessed. Say it. I am blessed. I am blessed. 
I am more than a conqueror. I am victorious. My family is victorious. I am healed. I am a new creation. Why? Because God said so. So you can declare that over your life. Don't be dissuaded. Don't be scared. Don't be worried. The whole uh, context of our text in Matthew chapter 6 is about worry. It's about people being worried about what they're going to eat. What they're going to wear. How they're going to live. What you eat and what you wear are symbols of your living and who you are. What you wear is a symbol of how people see you. What you eat is a symbol of how you feel. Because what you eat it will affect how you feel. And so God tells us, do not worry about these things. Don't make them a priority. Make me the priority. God is first. Some of you have may, may have heard me talk about this before. Whether you have or haven't, I'm going to share it with you again. Um, the word priority, um, priorities, let me say it like that. The word priorities, plural, wasn't introduced into our language until the early 1900s. So all these thousands of years we had this word priority, it wasn't even part of our language until about 100 years ago. And the reason why we created this word priorities is because we thought somehow we could make the thing that should be first multiple. And that idea has matriculated its way through all of our thinking and our thought processes. But the idea of priority is there's never supposed to be more than one. There's only one priority. There's not multiple priorities. If you have priorities, then that means that anything can be on the same level as your priority. So if I have multiple priorities, then anybody can be on the same level as my wife. That is a negotiation of a principle. Because the reality is there is only one priority. And the challenge that we face is a constant negotiation with the principles that God has established in the earth. That degeneration of thought creeps into every aspect of our lives. And now we can circle back to our intentions and resolutions. And that's why we'll negotiate those. That's why we'll change those. That's why we'll negotiate with church attendance. We'll negotiate with fundamentals like reading the word, and that's where I'm going right now. We'll negotiate with prayer. We'll negotiate with, uh, with, with telling people about Jesus. When, believe it or not, this is the greatest moment in history to tell people about Jesus. Again, we've circled back to a time where people don't even know who he is. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Kingdom. It literally means the basis or the fundamental or the foundation. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Success is predicated on solid fundamentals. Let me say that again. Success is predicated on solid fundamentals. Somebody said, respect the building blocks. 
Master the fundamentals, and the potential is unlimited. Success is neither magical nor mysterious. Success is the natural consequence of consistently applying the basic fundamentals. You can practice eight hours a day. Michael Jordan said this. You can practice eight hours a day, but if your technique is wrong, then all you have done is become very good at shooting the wrong way. Get the fundamentals down and the level of everything you do will rise. That is wisdom. Fundamental, the basic principle, the basic law, the essential part of something, the groundwork. The beginning of this year, here's what I encourage you to do. Before setting goals, before setting intentions and resolutions, let's clean the slate and find the foundation. Everything you build this year, every step you take, every decision you make this year better fall back to a solid foundation because whatever you're building will not be a strong structure if it doesn't have a solid foundation. Fundamentals work. Let's, let's look at Jesus talking about foundations or fundamentals. Let's look at Jesus talking about it. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, whoever hears and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall. For it was founded or it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone, look at the distinction, therefore, whoever hears, and then Jesus changes his language and he says, But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain came, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. And it fell. And listen, he accentuates it. It was a great fall. And great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not like the religious folks. And not like the religious folks. For it was founded on the rock. It had a firm foundation. Any structure has to have a solid foundation. Any structure. We don't need to go through the engineering of it, which we could, but just for the sake of time, I don't want to. But anything has to have... A sol- any structure has to have a solid foundation. Here's the deal. Just the slightest shift in a foundation over time will create destruction in that structure. Just a shift, listen to that prophetically, a shift, a minor shift in the foundation of any structure can create collapse down the line. Psalm, one, Psalm 11 verse 3 says, if the foundations be destroyed What can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? It implies that the righteous have something to do. It implies that the righteous have a job to do. It implies that there's something that you are responsible for. But if you mess with the foundation, you will not have the footing to accomplish what you've been set out to accomplish. You have a purpose, a job, a responsibility. It literally means you have something you have to build and make. But if the foundations be destroyed, how can you do that? How can it be sustained? The fundamentals of our faith are simple. I mentioned them a few minutes ago. 
The fundamentals of our faith are here. Prayer. Prayer. The purpose of my teaching this morning is to do one thing. To challenge you to get back to the fundamentals in this first month of the year. It is imperative that you take the first and make it what it's supposed to be. Get the priority back in line. So one of the fundamentals of our faith is prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is communication with the Lord. It's not, now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord, my soul to keep. No, that's not prayer. That might be a prayer, but that is not prayer. Prayer is supplication. Prayer is communication. Prayer is time with the Lord. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to set a week starting next Sunday. Five or seven straight days, Sunday to Sunday, where we're going to set out time for, uh, for prayer and consecration at Quest Church. So today is the, the second, right? So the 9th through the 16th is going to be prayer and consecration week. We're going to fast and we're going to pray. We're going to meet up here at the church at 630 every evening just for corporate prayer. Monday through Friday, we're going to meet right here in the sanctuary. Why? Because we're going to get the fundamentals back in line. What else is a fundamental of our faith? Reading, reading the Bible. Challenge yourself. How often do you read the word? Or is it just Sunday morning? Do you seek a word? Or you just read the, the word of the day that uh, the Bible app gives you? Do you study the word that your pastor gives you every week? Because what he gives you on a Sunday is just is the beginning of what God is speaking to you. If you take that word, and dig in that word Monday through Saturday, I promise you God will speak to you much more and much more clear than he did on Sunday morning. Are you going to church or is it just once in a while? Is it a priority? Are you sharing the love of Christ? Are you living in faith? Are you living in hope? Are you living in love? Are you obedient? Are you fasting? We can go on and on. Simply put, it is imperative that you have the fundamentals of faith active in your life. It is imperative. It's not enough to know the fundamentals. Everybody in this room knows the fundamentals. It's imperative that you practice them excessively. If you don't practice the fundamentals excessively, then they will not be a natural response for you in a time of pressure or crisis. The power of an athlete that has the fundamentals down is when crunch time comes, the fundamentals go to work. He doesn't have to think through the fundamentals. What makes Stephen Curry the greatest uh, shooter in basketball history is he has the most fundamental basketball shot you've ever seen in your life it's perfection elbow in everything extended snap the wrist squared to the basket everything is precise and it's perfect do you know he practices that over and over and over and over again why so that when he's in a game it doesn't matter the angle he's coming from how fast he's moving where he's jumping who's in front of him no matter what if he puts that shot up everybody expects it to go in and the reason why is not because God just blessed him as a good shooter no he worked for that he worked for that he worked for that. The question I have for you today is when you face a crisis and when you face trouble or when pressure is on in your life, is, are the fundamentals a natural response for you? Or when trouble comes, is worry the natural response? Or is it faith? Is the natural response to complain? Or is it to thank God for an opportunity to see his goodness in your life? What is the natural response? What is the natural? Fundamentals matter. The fundamentals 
matter. When we look at this story, I'm going I'm to kind of wrap this up here. When we look at this story of these men building, one builds on a rock, one builds on the sand, there are some common denominators. The common denominators are this. Number one, they were both builders. Clearly, they had what it took to build. There's no telling whose house was better than the other because the Bible just tells us they were good builders. That's why it's imperative to be sure you're not comparing yourself with others. Because what they built may look magnanimous compared to what you built, and you have no idea what's underneath that structure. God called you to build a thing. He didn't call you to build somebody else's thing. Build what God called you to build. So if you're a member of Quest Church, God called you to help build Quest Church. So build it here. Amen? Whatever your purpose is, focus on that. Don't compare. But here's a fact. They were both builders. Number two, they both received the same word. Because Jesus said, whoever hears these words. He says at first, whoever. Then he says, everyone. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But they both received the same word. Clearly, that word was to build on. So they both received the word. Here's what else is common. The storm didn't discriminate. They both faced the same storm. Just because you got a word and just because you're doing it the way God told you to doesn't mean you're not going to face the storm. It just means that your structure is going to hold up through, through the storm. What are the differences? I like this right here. It's whoever and everyone. Jesus distinguishes this. He says, whoever hears my word and does it, whoever does it, hears and does, I will liken him to a wise man. But everyone who hears and does not do it, I'll liken him to a fool. The word whoever carries this note of distinction. Like you are somebody. You are who I called you to be. Because you're hearing and you're doing. Everyone carries this uh, connotation of just anyone. Somebody who's part of the crowd. Or somebody who's an individual. I do this on my own. At no time, at no other time has the individual been uh, emphasized and accentuated like it has in our time. It's all about you. It's all about what's right for you. It's all about what feels good to you. It's all about, and, and, and whether you want to admit it or not, it has seeped its way into the kingdom of God. Because we want the music the way we like the music. We want, we want the feeling the way we want the feeling. We want to go to church when we want to go to church. We want to watch online and not be in the church. There's a thousand different me, me, me's that have attached itself to God's people. And we need to get away from that in Jesus' name. One was a doer and one wasn't. It's real simple. One lived out his responsibility and one didn't. Here's the thing about it is, is that when, when God says, when Jesus said, whoever hears it and does it, I will liken him to a wise man. So the doer not only did what God said and got the blessing of withstanding the storm, but he also got a new decree spoken over his life. He was a wise man. That's powerful. When you walk in the obedience of God, have a foundation in your life, and do what God says, God will begin to pull out of you things he deposited in you that you didn't even know were there. He was a wise man. 
All right, let's close up. Five takeaways from this morning. Five takeaways from this morning. Number one, the fundamentals matter. The fundamentals matter. Practice them. Don't take them for granted. Get a set time for practice. Set time for practice. And hold yourself accountable. You don't miss practice. If you miss practice, put yourself through some sprints. Whatever that means for you. I'm serious. Set time. Pray. Read your word. Get to church. Don't take them for granted. Just because you know them or have done them doesn't mean you're exempt from continuing to practice them. The fundamentals matter. Number two, there is no negotiation when it comes to the word of God. You either act or you don't. You either act or you don't. Your decision produces the result. Do you see that? Your decision produces the result. When God speaks in Genesis, it is the earth's response that creates the change. So he speaks a word, the earth responds, and then we have something. What do you mean? He said, let there, the earth responded to that word, and then we had. When he designed us, he made us out of the dust of the earth. So he made us like the earth in that when he speaks, when we respond, things happen. There's no negotiating God's word. You either act or you don't. When you act on the word of God, your life will change. When you don't, expect everything to stay the same. And like I said a minute ago, he'll pull out of you things he deposited in you. That man didn't know he was wise. He just knew he was doing what God told him to do. Then God pulled a declaration up out of him and said, you are wise. Now that man takes pride in the fact that I'm a wise person and more wise decisions will happen. Wise decisions are very simply made. How do you know you're making a wise decision? When you do what God told you to do. That's wisdom. When you do what God says, wisdom becomes a part of your life. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. Number three, we all face the same storm. We all face the same storm. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I do want to say this. You're not special because of what you're going through. I don't mean to, for that to sound offensive or um, condescending, but I, it's important that we understand that. Because a lot of times we want to make ourselves special because we went through this. You have no idea what I'm going through. I'm going through so many more difficulties than you are going through. You have no idea what I've had to face in my life. No, we all had a, 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 a hand of cards dealt to us, every single one of us. And it wasn't for us to determine what those, what those cards are. Some of us created uh, faulty hands on our own. We did that. We're the ones that did that. It doesn't matter what your story is. We all have a story, every single one of us, and it's not your job to compare your story to my story. You're not special because of what you're going through. What I can promise you is that we will all face the same storm. For the last two years, we've all faced the same storm. It affected every single one of us in different ways, but we all faced it, and it's imperative that you look at it that way. Stop looking at your uh, lack your deficiency as something that gives you entitlement over me because I'm not deficient in that area. 
We all have a story. The, the, the question is, where have you decided to build your story? Where have you decided to build your story? Number four. So number one is the fundamentals matter. Number two, there's no neg negotiation when it comes to the word of God. You either act or you don't. Number three, we all face the same storm. Number four, foundations are to be built upon. Foundations are to be built upon. Don't stop at the foundation. If there's anything I notice um, right now is that in the body of Christ is, is, is that the people of God don't want to get much deeper than the foundation. They don't want to get m much past that. Foundations are very important, but they're to be built upon. God gave you a foundation because there's a structure he intends for you to build. How big your house is depends on the, 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 how big your foundation is. How strong your house is depends on how strong your foundation is. Build on the foundation. It's hard to believe in signs and wonders uh, that they're even possible. It's hard to believe somebody can be healed when you don't have a prayer life. It's easy to not have faith that somebody can be healed when you don't pray. You don't have a, a, a relationship with the God that is the healer. These foundations are the power source of our purpose. Amen? Amen. Foundations are to be built upon. And the last point is this. Always choose principle over preference. Always choose principle over preference. The guy that the Lord called wise built on a solid rock. The guy who he called foolish built on the sand. I would imagine he built on the sand because it was more pleasurable to be on the sand. It was easier to get to than climbing up on the rock, probably. Getting the, the materials up on the rock was a little more difficult than building on the sand. Not only that... Who doesn't want to walk out your back door and be laying out on the beach? I mean, he had the right idea, didn't he? He wanted his, uh, his permanent home to, be, to look like his vacation home. The thing about our vacations is they're not permanent. It's a season of rest, but we always got to come home. Don't build your life on a vacation idea. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. First, the foremost in importance or rank. The foremost in importance or rank. It's the fundamental. It's the basis. It's the foundation. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. I, I shared with you some declarations that God has made over you. And if we live in his kingdom and build on his foundation... We get to live in those declarations. But there's also a rule or a set of rules that he gives us to abide by. And when we apply these principles, when we live a principled life over a life of preference, it's a guarantee for success. Amen. It's a guarantee. Amen. One thing I know is when I've put God's principles into practice, I've had a positive outcome. Every time, not sometimes, every time. When you act on God's principles, it's a guarantee for success. What are some of the kingdom rules? Number one, when I'm a tither, there's poured out blessing. We're going to talk about covenant a lot this month. Pastor Rick's going to dive into that. But the ultimate covenant you have with the Lord is your tithe. 
You mean it's associated with my money? Yes, it's associated with your money. Why? Jesus said your treasure is where your heart is. If you don't have a tithing relationship with the Lord, you have to ask yourself the question, am I in covenant with God? Why does it matter? Because when I give him 10%, he does a miracle with 90% and makes it feel like 150%. Does he really? Yes. Yes. The reality is 100% of it belongs to him. He's just asking you to return 10%. Why does God want my money so bad? It's not about your money. You think God needs your money? Absolutely not. He wants to see if you'll be obedient to him to return the tithe back to him. Can I get an amen here? I can say that with confidence. Do you want to know why? Because my dad taught me when I was six years old that when I get a dollar, I return a dime back to the Lord. I didn't, I didn't understand much more than my dad told me to do that when I was six. My dad told me to do it. And I knew one thing. I do what my dad tells me to do. And that little act of obedience turned into something you can't take out of my life. And you know what? I'm blessed now because of it. I'm blessed now because of it. No matter how hard things times get, and times have gotten significantly hard in my family financially, here's what I know. God has always taken care of me. That's a rule of the kingdom. That's a rule of the kingdom. If you're a tither, there'll be open windows over your household. That means for all of you business owners and those that want to be, there are going to be fresh ideas, innovative ideas, heavenly ideas, divine ideas, divine concepts that God's going to drop into your life that is going to create more and more resource, not only for you to live a blessed life, but for you to make a difference in the world. Can I get an amen to that? He'll rebuke the devourer for your sake and call all na- and all nations have no choice but to call you blessed. What does that mean? That means people will look at you and say, you know what? That's a blessed man. They'll have to ask why. That's because God blessed you. Live a life of principle over preference. Let me close with this proverb. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Man, that's so good. Sometimes we read scriptures like this too fast because we've heard them so many times. I just read that, just that first stanza right there, and I got convicted. I'm going to read it again. (laughs) Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, even if it doesn't make sense. In all your ways, in everything you do, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. He'll show you the way to go. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't call yourself wise. Let God call you wise. Like he did the man in in the story. Let Jesus say that you're wise. Don't call yourself wise. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Because then you'll start believing that your ideas are better than his ideas. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions. And watch this with the first fruits everybody say first fruits of all your increase so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine when you honor the lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase this is what he gives you your barns will be filled with plenty what is that that's your resources that's your home that's your purpose that's your barn it'll be filled with plenty more than you need 
But watch this. Your vats will overflow with new wine. What does that mean? That means that every pressure you face in life, all the squeezing you face in life, whatever trouble comes against you, is just going to produce more oil in your life, more new wine in your life, more opportunities for the Holy Spirit to empower you in your purpose. That's what happens when you honor Him with your first fruits. So this year, on this first Sunday of 2022, I really wanted to lay, I didn't really, I didn't preach to you at all today. I really just laid out some practical foundational principles that we can take into this year. And I promise you one thing, I'm confident of this. If you take these principles and live them, apply them, you're going to see success throughout this entire year. You have to set the foundation. How do you do that? you got to figure out what priority is first. First of all, seek ye first the kingdom of God. So let me ask you a question. I want to challenge you in the month of January to give God the first hour of your day. Maybe you don't have an hour to give in the morning. That's okay. Give them the first half hour. Give them the first 30 minutes. Give them the first 10 minutes. Give God the first time of your day. Designate a time that you know you can fulfill and give it to him every single day. Put it on your smartphone so that when your alarm goes off in the morning, it says seek God or something like that. And give him the first part of your day. Next week when we have our prayer and consecration, I challenge you to give him that week. Seek the Lord on your own. Figure out what you need to fast, what you need to give up. That's what fasting is. Some of us need to fast the whole week. Some of us need to pick three days or one day and just fast all day long and just, you know, and really seek God. But give God that week. Amen? Give God the first part of your moment at work. When you get to your office or whatever you do, whatever your job is, whatever your occupation, when you arrive, go to your, I don't know, maybe it's your desk. Maybe it's a truck. Maybe, I don't know what, what you arrive to, but whatever it is, take one moment and say, God, I give you this day. I give you this job, and I ask you to empower me to do it right. These simple acts of giving God first will, will incite, listen to that word, incite blessing in your life. And absolutely, give God the first, your first fruits of your income.